Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are going to have kind of a radical shift in just topic and maybe the feel for this podcast compared to yesterday. And by the way, wow, Pete Garcia yesterday, Ezekiel 38, Magog. We talked about who blew up the pipelines (laughs) and Bible prophecy And, of course, Russia comes into play in Bible prophecy. We talked a lot about that. I think a lot of you guys appreciated that. So today, um, we are taking a different shift. We are so blessed to have back with us Pastor Jeff Solwald of Calvary Chapel, Madison, Wisconsin. You can hear his teaching online every weekday morning right here on Q90FM or Stand Up For The Truth, Listen Live. And it's called The Upward Call. A lot of you have been staying on listening after the Stand Up For The Truth podcast, which is on the radio live uh, every uh, weekday at this time, and you listen to Pastor Jeff, so you're very familiar with his teaching. But Jeff, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's a real blessing. So I want to start, before we dive into a couple topics, and just uh, I want to hear your heart on what believers need to be about in these last days. And as we know from world events, from what's going on even in our own nation, that we are in some of the last days, and events are converging at a speed we've never seen before. And that overwhelms a lot of people. So speaking of being potentially overwhelmed, I just want to just share my heart to open up. And uh, Pastor Jeff prayed for us before we got on the air today. Um, and as most of you know, um, we've gone from a pretty big staff here at Stand Up For The Truth, Q9DFM, Lakeshore Communications, um, and our staff is now half of what it was um, even a year, year and a half ago. And we're doing the same work. In fact, we're doing more work with the Police Lights of Christmas and outreaches. And we take turns kind of getting worn out. And I just want to be honest. We need your prayers. Um, and I won't tell you how to pray, but we need your prayers. We're in ministry. We're fighting this battle. And, you know, life happens. Life happens. There are physical battles. There are health battles anyway. And then you add that, if you're in ministry, the spiritual warfare that is just about constant. So I just want to share, um, I went up north, my mom f- fell and broke her wrist and um, fell off her porch. <laughs> and she's 91, still living at home, but I had to go up there, take care of things in the hospital, come back here, uh, take care of things around the house and the pets and my wife. And now um, we're back to Monday, Tuesday now. The work week started yesterday. I do two jobs. I work two jobs on Mondays. And just pray that I would use wisdom, that I would have wisdom, that I would slow down when I can and manage my time. And uh, Pastor Jeff, I'm sure you don't know what that's like, right? Having a lot going on, a lot of irons in the fire and managing your time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's life. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, someone told me once in the, uh, when I was uh, going to Bible college that uh, being a pastor is a workaholic's dream, you know, and it, it definitely is. Twenty four seven ministry is just, yeah, you know, it's there's always things to do, and so well, I'm what glad I, to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's a blessing. It's a definitely a calling, a high calling from God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, it's a hard job. And so this is, by the way, October Pastor Appreciation Month. If you have not recognized your pastor at your local church, uh, please do reach out to him with an email, a phone call, uh, a gift if you are able to do that. We just recognized our pastor, Kevin Minsky, in De Pere, Wisconsin, uh, just this past Sunday. So, Pastor Jeff, I want to have you share a little bit of your background for those newer listeners. And we got a ton Praise God, because um, we're censored on social media, but people find out about us because friends, listeners share the podcast. Um, we've got a lot of newer listeners, and we're very thankful that the numbers are growing, it seems. And you shared a lot about just getting back to the basics and how you got um, really led to the Lord. And, and um, it's a fascinating testimony. And we were at the uh, prof- uh, 
Great Lakes Prophecy Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I'm looking at some of the sessions. You know, Andy Woods, uh, John Higgins, uh, just Chris Quintana, Tommy Ice, from Bible prophecy to the days of Noah. I shared a message called "It Just Takes a Generation." Um, Curtis Bowers, Perilous Times. Um, Chris Quintana, another Jesus. Tommy Ice on the pre-trib rapture, and you shared a message called "It's All Going to Burn." And it really wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but it was so impactful. I mean, from the title. So I would just love for you to just share a little bit about how you began that and just walked into that with your background and just saying, hey, you know, the Lord rescued me uh, back in the day. So, Pastor Jeff, just share your heart for our listeners. Yeah, well, David, you know, as I shared at a conference, um, I, I grew up. Uh, here in Wisconsin and uh, down around the Milwaukee area, and uh, I was a musician. And um, even in my late teens, I had started playing in rock bands, heavy metal bands in Milwaukee. And it was during this time uh, in here in Wisconsin, from like 1972 to uh, 1986, our our state uh, had turned the age requirement on drinking back to 18 while the rest of the country went to 21 and wow. you know while it's in the world you know I mean it's that's a great thing for the world I guess but um, and not good for you know the the culture and all and and um, at, at the time there was just this influx of um, Miners, you know, coming into the, into Wisconsin to drink, you know, legally, and then return to their home states, Illinois, Michigan, uh, Iowa, and even states further away. And so, uh, Wisconsin in that time period had there were, uh, you know, just thousands of bars that had bands running in them, and um, it was which was, uh, you know. Uh, uh, it was helpful for uh, us as musicians, you know, because you know people were coming in, and I, I know at the time the city of Kenosha was uh, in the Guinness Book of World Records as uh, the most bars per capita of any city in the world. In wow, Kenosha, Jeez. and that was one of the places where we would play. And, <laughs> You know, and we're talking seven nights a week, you know. And so I was playing in bars over 300 some nights a year throughout that time period. And um, it just, it's not a good place to to start life, you mm. know, in that environment. But um, we, we were very uh, successful in that realm there. And then I know 60 Minutes did a segment at, at, uh, on that that caused uh, the state of Wisconsin to to uh, cause the drinking age to go back up. And because, you know, they would just uh, literally they would have the police waiting at the um, border and just be arresting kids driving back into Illinois. And mm -hmm. they were showing that on national TV. And so that changed things. And so at that time... My wife and I moved out to uh, Los Angeles area, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, be a rock star and everything. And, you know, and this, me and a million other people, you know, went out there and uh, ended up just really uh, destroying everything um, into alcohol and hard drugs and um, really just destroyed my life at that time. And uh, it was at that point, you know, really at the lowest point that my wife and I, we had grown up Roman Catholic and never been in a Protestant church in my life. And, and um, all of a sudden these people were, what I know now, they were witnessing to us. I didn't know what they were. They were just these crazy people talking <laughs> about Jesus all the time. And, and they would kept coming around and, and you know, they would play Phil Keggy songs for me. And, wow, that guy's a phenomenal guitar player. And, you know, they knew just what it took. And and so we tuned into uh, K-Wave, the station out there on the West Coast, uh, Calvary Chapel owns. 
and um, listened to a live broadcast of uh, an evangelist named Greg Laurie. And he was uh, live on a Monday night. It was January 4th, 1993. And my wife and I listened. And um, we ended up getting saved in our kitchen. And I mean, just like the Lord took away all the alcohol, all the drugs. I even smoked cigarettes for 15 years. The Lord took those away. Never smoked another one. I mean, it was a mm. miracle. And uh, we, I started listening to the radio and getting discipled by uh, really good Bible expositors that they had while I was mowing lawns and doing these things and um, ended up then going to a Calvary Chapel out there on the West Coast and um, just getting plugged in and went from, you know, being in bars literally uh, almost seven nights a week, most weeks, to being in church just about seven days a week wow. and and of course the family you know my family especially they just thought that I'd gone off the deep end and you know they didn't know what happened they thought it was an occult of course or something and um, <laughs> they, you know they were actually going to do an intervention at one point you know come out and get me away from this Jesus who you know <laughs> so sorry it's too late and uh, so we um you know, we got discipled, and it wasn't uh, too long after that um, the Lord really put it on my heart to come back and plant a church here in Wisconsin. And um, at that time, that was uh, late 90s, there weren't very many Calvary chapels. There still really aren't in Wisconsin. And really, David, uh, you know, Calvary Chapel as a movement is a West Coast kind of movement, you know, I mean, it's to this day, there's people here around Madison, and you talk to people, they, uh, you know, you tell them you're Calvary Chapel, they don't know what that is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. most uh, believers, they don't, they've never heard of it, you know, but um, on one hand, you know, it was, uh, there was a disadvantage to some people who were coming here to plant Calvary Chapels, because, you know, if you would... If anyone's ever been to uh, South, uh, you know, Southern California, you know, there's a Calvary Chapel on every corner. Yes. You know, and I have <laughs> friends who are pastors out there, and they would plant a Calvary Chapel, you know, church. And the first Sunday, they'd have 200 people coming to their church. And it's not what it is here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there would be people from there, from the Bible college or whatever, and they would... Um, they would come to plant a church here and find out nobody knows what it is. Nobody comes. They don't want to hear just, uh, you know, you teaching through the book of Leviticus, you know, on a Sunday morning, you know, <laughs> just like <laughs> verse by verse, you know, what is this, you know? And, and some guy, with, you know, with jeans and a, just a, a T-shirt on, you know, and so it's it's really a hard place to plant that type of church. But on the other hand, it is. It was such a blessing, and I'm so thankful because, um, you know, all the guys who would come, they would last maybe a year. They'd last one winter, you know, and they're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going back to Southern California, but I'm <laughs> from here, you know, so I actually missed winter. Where <laughs> that is, you know, I, I love winter, but, um, you know, I was able to come back and, <clears throat> the thing that we experience is we're going on 25 years wow. here in Madison. Number one, Madison is like plowing a granite. You know, if you're going to plow spiritual ground, you know, Madison wow. is not the, the place you come to, yeah. the, you know, plant that kind of a church, first of all. Because I know. it's just so liberal and, um, and it, you know, progressive and all that. But... Um, well, Jeff, I think about the parable of the soils when you talk about the ground in Madison. It's not exactly fertile and uh, welcoming to the seeds of the Word of God, is it? No, no, it's not. And we had, we've had an interesting experience here in that, you know, I, here I thought, wow, well, you know, this will, um, this will be a good outreach to students at the university, and we would go down to State Street and we witness to the younger people, and some would listen, but what 
the interesting uh, thing for us is that over the years, those who have ended up coming to our church fellowship here have been professors and uh, people in um, in like higher uh, education of the university itself. And um, we just actually did a memorial for a brother who got saved listening to the radio, same thing, and started coming to church. Uh, this was about two months ago, and he came for 12 years. He was a professor at the university, mm. and um, he showed up on a Sunday morning. I, I never, I don't know who the guy is. He's there weeping at the front of the church and um, just broken. And I prayed with him, and, you know, he said, my whole world's been turned upside down. And I said, yeah, the Bible would do that. He said, you don't understand. I've been teaching evolution for 35 years. Wow. And he said, everything I believe is a lie. And he was he was one of the top botanists in the world. And he would go all around the world um, uh, collecting plants and doing uh, DNA samples here back in Madison. Well, he got saved, and and he became a young earth creationist. <laughs> you know, through reading the Bible and and understanding the truth, and it's really amazing because when I did his memorial, you know, there was a whole bunch of scientists, professors coming, all his colleagues. You know, they had to come to his. His memorial, I was able to preach the gospel to him. Wow! But what was amazing is that um, through his conversion and reading the Bible, he realized. We, you know, I, I've got his collection of botany books that he's written. They're they're like uh, uh, in the world of botany. They're you know uh, top books. He won awards for his insights into. Um, into doing uh, these DNA samples and and finding out the, just the, where these different species of plants have derived from, and he realized mm. that um, that what he was uh, what he was um, looking at was was not evolved species, but they were species that were diminished due to the sin entering into creation. Mm. And his whole perspective on, um, <clears throat> on the plant world changed. And so that, that was kind of the, that's kind of been the realm of people that we're ministering to, which has been kind of weird, you know. I think Amazing. they come to our churches wow. like a research project. What is this? And <laughs> they end up, you know, getting saved because the, the truth is the truth, you know. Hmm. Was that, did you share about him during your uh, session at the Prophecy Conference last month, or was that some, a guy from the media or something? Or Do you remember sharing about that, that guy that checked out your church and came in and yeah, was surprised? That was a, that was a lawyer from a uh, lawyer. the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Which is right there in Madison, right? Yes, they are, yeah. And he had come to... Uh, well, you know, he also was just coming. To, people kind of come and check this out, you know, and I didn't know who he was. He was here on a Friday night, and I didn't meet him, but he got in an argument with some other people while we were all praying. We have uh, people all around the sanctuary and groups praying, and and across the sanctuary, you know, here this argument erupt in the middle of prayer, and <laughs> this guy storm out, and then he uh, he emailed me. And the people, I, I talked to them afterward, and they say, yeah, he was, you know, say, why does the Bible talk about this issue and this lifestyle and those things? And, you know, and and he was, you know, kind of confronting them with some questions from uh, the, the Torah, basically. And and he emailed me the next day, said, you know, I'm really sorry. I didn't want to make a, a scene, you know, and... Um, I, I emailed him back. I said, you know, you uh, you got some great questions there. They really were, you know. A lot of people want to know, well, what does the Bible says you should have slaves? And the Bible says how you should treat slaves. And this is how you should treat homosexuals, things like this, you know. And Jeff, we've got to take a break and come back and continue. Uh, I think people need to know how to respond to some of these questions, especially a guy from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. That could be anyone. 
talking to one of us as believers. More with Pastor Jeff Solwald on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Two things uh, we may get to with Pastor Jeff. I wanted to get his perspective on uh, the sobering Barna poll that finds that most Americans create a customized worldview. And some use the word syncretism. Some use the words religious pluralism. And then a pastor in California is challenging their radical governor to repent and respond to the gospel, and he's pulling no punches. We'll possibly talk about that because a lot of pastors don't have uh, the ability to do that or the influence to do that with their state governors. But let's go back to Pastor Jeff Solwald now. And you were telling us, Jeff, about the gentleman from the Madison, Wisconsin-based Freedom From Religion Foundation that was causing a little stir at your church, and you emailed back and forth and said he was asking some good questions, and I think it's important to hear a little bit more about that because we need to know how to respond to these questions, and then we would love to hear his response when you told him. Yeah, um, he he responded positively to uh, my uh, invitation to meet. I said, uh, you know, I can meet with you and go over these uh, questions you have, and like Peter says, you know, be ready always to give an answer. So mm. I think it's so important. And, and David, I think that's that. You know, as sharing, you know, we've been able to speak with scientists, professors who are atheists, and and you know, secularist people that um, would show up at church because they were hearing the truth over the radio, and they were hearing it kind of an uncompromised. And and the reason I was able to you know, speak into the world is because I had just had the reasonable answers. You know, that's mm-hmm. all it was. Mm-hmm. Well, I know it's great intellect, but I could say this is why the Bible teaches those things. And that's what I did with this gentleman from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. We went out to breakfast and I was able to answer his questions, you know, with a reasonable answer and sufficient for him. And I was able to share the gospel with him. And, you know, he, that's the thing. He was at our church because he was at several churches. He's been looking around. He was, trying, wow. you know, he was looking for truth and huh. not finding it. And when I shared the gospel and, and why he was seeing something different, he told me, you know, with tears in his eyes at breakfast, he said, I can't do that. I can't accept that or his whole world he teaches law at the university of course. he does law for the freedom from religion foundation i can't do that his whole just like this other gentleman who was a professor it, it you know i mean he had to just reject everything that he had stood upon and which any everyone has to but you know i guess someone in that level of academia or, wow or a success, you know, it's like the rich young ruler, and that's what it was. Yeah. And I said, well, at least, you know, use the right word. You won't do it because anyone can do it. Yes. Well, let's let's emphasize the fact that he was just his profession alone and who he worked for and represented. There's a huge difference in the freedom from religion foundation and our understanding of the freedom of religious expression or the freedom of religion here we have under the First Amendment, they are against expressing the Christian faith freedom from. They want to be free from what they consider the shackles or the bonds of traditional religion or the biblical worldview. Is that Would that be accurate? Yes, and, and unfortunately, they're the majority, you can go on their website and and look at all their pending cases, the majority overwhelmingly are Christian. They don't really go after Islam or, you know, the Buddhist temple or anything else. They, you know, primarily attacking Christianity in so many of their court cases. Why do you think that is, Pastor Jeff? And why do you think when people cuss, they don't say, oh, Buddha or Muhammad or (laughs) Confucius? They always use the name of the Lord our God, the true living God. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, but, you know, <laughs> that's just it. it you know, they, uh, they did, we're in a spiritual battle, and it's not 
us against the Freedom From Religion Foundation. You know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and that's who they're working for, and we know who we're working for. Um, Jeff, I want to go back to part of your um, what you were explaining about the man. You met with him for breakfast, and I think a lot of believers might be afraid to meet with an unbeliever, let alone someone who may be considered hostile to the Christian faith. But let's just say an atheist or someone who doesn't believe because maybe they don't feel equipped. And as you know, we've looked at past, just in the last year, Barna Research, um, a majority of Christian or so-called Christian pastors and church leaders do not even have, 62%, I believe, do not have a biblical worldview. That's a problem when the saints are not being equipped. So what advice could you give for someone who's listening right now who maybe was going to a church like that for so many years and was not hearing the truth be taught? He he or she uh, was not getting equipped from the pastor on a Sunday morning and, and understanding how to study the Scriptures. And so they're obviously not wanting to jump into this breakfast meeting or, or getting together with someone who is an unbeliever to be able to defend the faith. What can you tell them at this point? Well, if somebody living in this country with the freedoms we presently have and are quickly being diminished, if they are not equipped, that's their own problem. We have access to so much information, but mm. it does really involve being in a church where you're going to get fed where you can be accountable and you can grow. You're going to, you know, not just be uh, hearing topical teachings, you know, on a Sunday morning alone, but where you're going to be taught the Bible. A lot of churches teach from the Bible, but many churches, you know, that used to teach the Bible, you know, verse by verse is kind of our thing, just verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Yeah. You want to know it and, and be equipped you want to be uh, praying in, in, you know, really intentionally in that way, and all the things that the New Testament tells us that we have to equip us. And what I've found, and I think that's probably my point to all this, is that you know, without even realizing it, but in hindsight, seeing that having gotten equipped, been equipped, the Lord will bring all the opportunities that. Are available. He's, he's, you know, it says in Second uh, Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, just looking for mm. those that He can show Himself mighty on behalf of. Yes, and that is, you know, so it's not a, it's not an issue of I can't. It's an issue of I won't. Well, we come back to that again. That's very interesting. So, have we relied too much on our pastors? To, for our own personal growth, because that, what I'm hearing you say is every individual who is born again and saved and truly converted and redeemed, we've got a responsibility to feed ourselves every day. You know, what about Monday through Saturday? Am I, am I hearing you right? Yes, exactly right. And um, we made, have made an intentional effort, I know, here at Calvary Chapel, Madison, in that regard. We uh, were growing and growing. We reached a plateau where uh, this was a little over 10 years ago where you know we could have taken one track where many churches if you want to just keep lots of people in your church you'd start introducing programs and yeah. do everything you can to accommodate people so that they don't have to do anything and and i met with our board and said guys there's plenty of churches like that and I don't want to be in one, you know. Mm. And we began it, it, uh, every service having corporate prayer, as they talk about in the book of Acts, where, I mean, making very intentional effort where if you don't want to pray, just move out of the sanctuary. But we are as one as a body of believers are going to make that the highlight of our um, uh, service. And we do that three times a week now as a body. And I know that's why the Lord is using us. We, we pray, uh, and people left at the time because they didn't want to participate. You know, wow. I felt uncomfortable praying with brothers and sisters. And, wow. it, you know, yeah, and people would come to visit, and you could just see in their eyes, what are they doing? You know, they're, everybody's gathering together in groups and praying and and so it, it, it's caused the church by the grow 
you know, very, very strong. And um, with regards to our, our teaching ministry, as myself as a, assistant pastor, Brian Ramsey, who is also on staff here, and um, just to, to avoid that whole trap of, well, you know, Pastor Jeff's, you know, the the teacher here, you know, my wife and I, we are in, we are on the uh, rotation for children's ministry. You know, we do that every six weeks, you know, we have our time and people walk in, well, what are you doing in here? You know, <laughs> we're in children's ministry, Brian's teaching today and just making that effort that wow. this isn't a one man show. Mm. You are the body of Christ. We are yep. the body. And it's been very effective as far as growing and the Lord opening up incredible opportunities for us. Boy, we need to get back to the basics. And I think I had the idea that we were going to go here, Pastor Jeff, um, before speaking with you. I'm thinking when you brought that up, we are sometimes uncomfortable to lock hands or pray with our family members, our family in Christ. And Acts 2.42, prayer is one of the four pillars that we might say the early church was built on. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, fellowship, breaking breaking of bread, communion, the Lord's table, and prayer. Those four things, and I'm, I'm so, God bless you, I'm so thankful for churches that don't get sucked into the wanting to please the world and maybe be seeker sensitive saying, hey, we've got to do this program over here to bring in more kids or we have to build a bigger building. And sometimes there is that necessity. But we need to get back to the basics. That's what I'm hearing from you right now. Yes, and, you know, it was that exact scripture. We have that uh, painted on the wall in our um, <laughs> not in our fellowship hall or where people uh, meet to have to you know have fellowship and have lunch and everything and and I was in the book of Acts and I would walk by that every week going into the sanctuary to teach and we at that time we had prayer night on Friday night you know and of course you get a handful of people who are coming to prayer night but and that's at any church you know mm, I don't care yeah. how big it is you know you you know prayer night this night is a, a small group but the Lord kept convicting me. He's like, you do these other three things every service because we have corporate meal and, and um, we go through the Word of God verse by verse, like I said, but prayer is optional, you know, if you want to. And it just brought, that's what really brought that about because I, I said, you know, why don't we do this every service like they did next? They were in one accord and they had, you know, 3,000 people in wow. one accord. Yeah. And you, you think, mm. you know, when is that even possible? And we found out that it totally is. We're, we're able to get the body in one accord. It's, it, I got up and I said, you know, we're going to start doing this. And if this is awkward, if this is strange to pray with one another, then we got a big problem here. You know? wow. And somebody, you know, someone came up after a few weeks of this and they said, Pastor Jeff, you know, this uh, prayer thing that you incorporated, <laughs> you know, and when visitors come, I see them, you know, they run for the door. And I said, well, we're not going to block the door and force people. But think about it. If someone comes to church and everyone starts praying and they get freaked out, you know, maybe they shouldn't be there, you know. <laughs> but I, other people come and they're like, hallelujah. Oh, I've just been waiting and looking for mm. some place where this is going on. And and it's, like I said, it's strengthened the body. We've seen the Lord just do incredible things. Uh, we make sure that people are in one accord. We, we don't, mm. you know, this isn't a time for socializing this. We're going to have the praise music. We're going to get washed in the Word, and then we're going to do what Ephesians chapter 4 says. The body is going to minister to itself. Mm. And, you know, every part is essential. It's not the Pastor Jeff's show, you know. <laughs> this is, you are the body, and, you know, it, it has been strengthening. And you know what, David? Here's the thing. When, and I think this is, was, is how the Lord is purging things. When the pandemic hit, all these other churches closed down. Ours was open. Yeah, They were all closed. Huge churches mm-hmm. immediately closed. And many of them still aren't open. Some were closed for over a year. 
we closed down for two weeks. And we were open the whole rest of the time. People were just at the door. I want to come in. I want to be part of this. We got to be praying. And, wow. And that's what we've seen. Well, geez. Uh, I think about a time during that pandemic when we've talked about this a lot, when, when people were the most fearful over the unknown, over a virus, how to respond to the virus, how contagious is this thing? Shouldn't the church be front and center on that battle saying we are going to believe God, we are going to use wisdom, we are going to pray, but we will not obey the government telling us we are non-essential and have to shut our doors? Um, that was a, a very important, at least it was an insightful time, I believe, Jeff, as far as the American church and how we responded and i'm not i'm not uh really encouraged by the way overall the church responded uh, your quick thoughts we have two minutes left yeah we we had to deal with that quite a bit here we dealt with the health department three times but all i got is the constitution posted at the front door and <laughs> i put up the mandates right next to it and Say so you're an adult, you decide, you know? Yeah, and we weren't forcing people to go to church. We weren't forcing people to come in the doors. But you, exactly. it, you're a hospital for the spiritually sick. You leave your doors open for a lot of people that need to come in and have nowhere else to go. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Yes. Uh, have mercy. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said is very interesting. He seems to be doing a purge, not just of maybe of your church, but of the American church. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm seeing a remnant grow a small number but they are mighty in power and strength and they want to stop playing church and they want to be the church jeff we only have a minute left so i'm not going to ask another question and and uh cut you off in the middle of an answer but i do want to maybe go when we come back from our break to this worldview research and um get your response on some of these things that evangelicals um, who are holding to just a host of beliefs that seem to be far from Scripture. And we'll start with this one when we come back. Seven out of ten U.S. adults say they're Christians. I know one pastor, a friend of mine in New Mexico, says uh, they would be so-called Christians. Um, and yet six in ten, only six percent, actually have a biblical worldview. There is a problem there's a disconnect, and we'll have you break that down when we come back with Pastor Jeff Solwald on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Mr. No Tech, uh, Jeff Solwald, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm kidding, Jeff. I've got to share that story, though. Uh, we were at the, the Prophecy Conference last month. Um, I, I don't know what happened. I do know what happened. So my PowerPoint just would not operate. And before I did the, the presentation, sure, it was working fine, smooth. I did it at home, no problem. And the Thomas, the tech guy at Calvary Chapel there, had to come up and had to help me like three or four times because it just was stuck. And they finally took it over and started running it. Uh, but And then I get home the next day, and I ripped open, opened my laptop. I said, I just got to try this. Hit PowerPoint, hit play, and as smooth as silk, you could never know there was ever an issue. I call that spiritual warfare, you know, the prince of the power of the air. But, Jeff, you said you came up and made a comment that uh, I said I was low-tech. You said, well, I'm no-tech. Yeah. But fortunately, you have you have good people around you uh, to help oh, yeah. you. Um, and tell us about how people can tune in and hear your. You say you do something live twice a week. Yes, um, I'm on the board of what's called Calvary Radio Network out of Indiana. Um, we have a station here in Madison, uh, WJWD, and um, a translator. Actually, is the, the um, full power. Uh, Tower is out by Columbus, and then the, um, we have a translator in Madison here, and it's part of about uh, 25 stations in several states. And uh, every, actually, Monday night, Wednesday night, and, and Friday at 5 p.m. Central, there's a live uh, Biblical Insights, it's called. Monday night, they have uh, Mike McIntosh, a Calvary Chapel pastor from Southern California. Mm -hmm. He does every Monday. 
and then uh, Wednesdays, I usually am on with um, a pastor from Southern California, Holland Davis. He's also a songwriter. Oh, my goodness, uh, yeah, I remember him. uh, Yeah, Scott Parker, he's a pastor from uh, Missouri. And so, you know, all three of us on at once through uh, Indiana, and like I said, you know, Brian's a genius here and the guys who run the <laughs> thing because I don't know how this is working. I just stick a mic there. But people call in with Bible um, questions or mm-hmm. prayer requests or praise report from uh, throughout, actually outside the network of people awesome. listen on the Internet, like you know. So that's, great. that's 5 p.m., yeah. Okay, so they can get to that info at calvarychapelmedicine.com? Yes. Okay. Um, that's interesting. I met Holland Davis when I was working for K-Wave um, back in 2000, 1999, 2000, or 2001, somewhere around there. And Pastor Chuck would come in to do uh, To Every Man and Answer and have his big jar of cashews. Yes. <laughs> and, um, yes. Anyway, so let's get back to our concern here with the worldview slide in America. According to the... Um, Christian Cultural Center in Arizona and George Barna. There are seven major worldviews that Americans are most influenced by. Biblical theism, mysticism, Marxism, moralistic therapeutic deism, I'm not even sure what that is, nihilism, postmodernism, and secular humanism. So as we said before the break, uh, Pastor Jeff, only six in 100. I said six in 10 earlier. I, I was wrong. Only six in 100 have... A biblical worldview, according to recent surveys, were this is horrific when you think of how America started out and how, as you said, there are over three hundred thousand plus churches. There are bookstores; you can read whatever you want. You can get information publicly. You don't have to hide it. And here we are with a declining biblical worldview. Help us break this down and understand. Well, um, people are biblically illiterate. Unfortunately, you know, you have to put the um, the blame on the pulpit because that is where the Bible instruction is supposed to come. In the Old Testament, it was the, the Levites, and the Levites would go, and they would, when they had a godly king like Hezekiah, Josiah, the kings like that, they would send the Levites out to the towns to teach the Word of God to people. And that is... The job, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to equip the saints, the pastor teachers, and and that is where the breakdown comes, and it is unfortunate. There was a book um, years back, The Purpose Driven, I know when that came out, yeah. that, that um, caused a lot of, uh, I believe, Baptist pastors to not have to study, you know, we just oh. were doing this for 40 weeks, Jeez. you know, and I think a lot of people got in the... Yeah. In the and found that to be a good way to go, man. To study, I can just get my sermons from here and there, and and that I know brought a really huge dynamic change because you know it, people stop teaching the word of God directly. I have a, a a relative of mine who went to Dallas Seminary, and when uh, he was ready to go and plant his church before he. Uh, before he graduated, he had to have two years of sermons in the can, is how what? he put it, you know. What? So as he, so he could market his church oh when he went goodness. out, and he didn't have to worry about all the studying and everything, you know. And yeah, that was just several years ago, and so that's astounding. That, that I think it's there's a lot, you know. Yep. People aren't getting taught, you know. <laughs> it's so sad. Well, we know the seminaries have declined. Even they've, they've you know, surrendered. They don't even believe in biblical inerrancy, uh, the inerrancy mm-hmm. of Scripture. Many of them, I won't say all, but, mm-hmm. and so they're going to seminary. They're learning business. They're learning that the pastor is a CEO, and yes. they've got church growth, you know, classes instead of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, theological classes or teach Old Testament or prophecy or whatever. But Jeff, I want to get back to this survey. Ligonier did something recently called State of Theology. Uh-huh. And um, here's the interesting thing. 99% of the, quote, evangelical survey respondents said that the Bible is the highest authority. Um, but based on their answers, they either don't believe that or they don't have a clue what the Bible really teaches. Now, what I just said, 99%, 
say the Bible is the highest authority. Now let's go to one, two. Let's, I'm just going to give you a couple bullet points, and you can address whichever one you'd like, which is fascinating based on their, their thinking that the Bible is the highest authority. That's our standard. But yet, evangelicals, 56 believe that God accepts the worship of all religions. 70% strongly agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God, and 57% believe everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So there's a huge disconnect with what the Bible really teaches and what people have come to believe. So, Jeff, whatever one you want to address or your thoughts. Yeah, that's... um that's just indicative of people not being taught the Bible because if all you had was a Bible, you know, and you were stranded somewhere, you, it, it, that's all you read. There's no way you could come up with any of those <laughs> beliefs because the Bible does not teach any of that. That's right. That's right. You know, and so it's, it's very self-explanatory. I know when... Uh, the week my wife and I got saved, I shared we got saved listening to the radio. Well, that week, uh, two Mormons showed up at a door, and one of them was a friend of mine who I used to play in a band with. And he had gone back after the band split up to become a Mormon. He showed up at my door, and, <laughs> and now he's got, I mean, talk about spiritual warfare, you know. <laughs> wow. And he came for several weeks teaching us, you know, Bible studies, and I thought, at that time, I thought Mormons were the epitome of Christians. You know, look at Donnie and Marie Osmond, man. He's <laughs> the best Christian. What a what a break I get, you know. But the things he told me, I, someone said, just read your Bible. And when I did, I read it, and all the, the things he was sharing are not in the Bible. And That's right. I saw it for myself. And so, you know, when you, you have to have the Book of Mormon, you have to have the Watchtower... Mm-hmm. You know, literature, you know, if you, they always come with some extra curricular material, and that's what you see in evangelicalism. Everybody's reading books about the Bible, mm-hmm. but they're not reading the Bible, you know. There's, the shelves are filled with the book, the latest bestseller, you oh, know, boy. whether it's the purpose driven or the Jesus calling or yep. whatever it might be. Yep. And then, you know, but. They don't know what the Bible says, so they're filtering the Bible through their book and not that book through the Bible. And that's where I said I believe pastors should have to take the blame because, you know, but they want to be popular. So you say, what's, you know, what's going to make you popular? And, and that's too bad. And that, based on their their desire to be popular and maybe grow their church, that will direct how and what they're going to teach, unfortunately. This is where we are. Jeff, you message, very important, you mentioned Jesus Calling, uh, mm-hmm. Purpose Driven Life. I would add to that, um, you mentioned bestsellers in Christian bookstores, and you can find mm-hmm. almost all of um, motivational preacher Joel Osteen's books, um, Your yeah. Best Life Now, in Christian bookstores. Christian bookstores. Yeah. And um, let's talk about the message, too, because if there are some newer listeners that are Reading from the message paraphrase, which is not, I would consider, a big, biblically accurate, I would love your take on that and Bible translation, translations, starting with the message. Yeah, I was just at a conference in Nebraska a few weeks ago, and one of the speakers was talking about that. He calls it the massage. Ah, yes, it massages <laughs> the scriptures. Yes. The massage, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much what it is. It's... You know, there's they're pretty loose with uh, their doctrine and that you know translation there, and but yeah, it, it, and again, that's that should be something that a pastor should be getting up and saying, beware of this. That's a pastor's job is to guard the sheep and to feed them, to guard them, to get up. You know, if, if someone walked in with a message Bible into our church, I would approach them and lovingly just yes, say, you know, yes. you might want to get yourself a different Bible. Or get your, how about you know? get yourself a Bible? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, some people walk in, they don't know, they have yeah. no clue, you know. Yep, yep, and it sounds so, good. It sounds good. Yeah, some of the flowery language, it sounds good, it feels good, and that's what Jesus Calling does, and that's what mm-hmm. other things do. They're sounding good, and what does that remind you of? In Second Timothy, I think it is, the tickling of the ears, 
Yes. Um, um, yeah. So one conclusion of this study of evangelicals from Ligonier Ministries said a worldview that isn't firmly anchored to the truth of God's word ultimately is going to shift and change with the ideas that prevail in our culture. And I think of Romans 12, too. Do not conform to the world's ways, but be transformed. So contrast that with what people are doing, conforming to Matthew 5.13. We are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, um, we're in trouble. And we are the yes. light of the world. And if we hide our light, or if we don't know how to shine our light effectively, um, how's the world going to hear about Jesus, know about the true biblical Jesus? So, Jeff, just three minutes left, and just your closing thoughts on some of what we've discussed today and encouraging believers here who are listening that want to be stronger in Christ and better witnesses for him. Yes, you know, if, if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing, Jesus said, to be, but to be cast out and trampled upon. And... You know, and that is probably the best thing that can happen, you know, is for, you know, you hate to say it, but in countries where the church grew weak and has grown weak, it gets trampled upon. Mm. And, but like you said, there's this, you can just see this, you know, emerging group of people who say, I, I just don't buy into these lifestyles and these things, and I don't want that in church. I don't want that around my kids. Mm -hmm. and they're hungry for the truth, and that's where revivals spark, to revivals, because people want the truth. And and so I think pastors are missing out, and, you know, if they're not, you know, willing to be equipping the sheep, but I, I believe that there are many who are Come, you know, coming to that point who are courageous, mm -hmm. who are willing to to say, I, I, you know, I don't, it's not about how many people. You know, we have to like we do here. We pray, you know, th three times a, a week. Friday night used to be our prayer night. Now it's a whole service. You know, mm -hmm. we got two midweek services. We got a Sunday morning, and people are coming with the intention to pray, mm -hmm. and. And that, that's the service, you know, and I'm so thankful for that. But it's taken years to discipline. Yep. And to, yep. you don't just start a church and say, this is what we're doing, you know. But yeah. people got to do that, that work, you know. And and But it's a joy for the Lord, man. And it's, yes. you know, you're not going to reap your reward here on earth. You reap it in heaven. And Amen. You can't be so concerned about just a gigantic you know, uh, un ungodly church, I guess, yes. that's what you want to call it, I suppose. <laughs> yes. I want to encourage people to check out Pastor Jeff's church um, online, at least, if you're not in the area, calvarychapelmadison.com for some great teachings and the upward call. But also what I'm hearing is we need to lovingly approach our pastors if they are not teaching the whole counsel of God, if they are not having prayer as part of the service, or, or even part of the church. Uh, there's so much, but lovingly and respectfully approach your pastors, not in a confrontational way. So, Pastor Jeff, uh, by the way, for those who are listening to regional radio or listening online, you will hear Pastor Jeff coming up with the Upward Call. God bless you, brother. Thank you again for your time. Talk to you soon. Well, thank you. Yep. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Kevin McGarry with Every Black Life Matters. And Thursday, Pastor Carl Gallup's down in Florida and East Coast Pastor Scott Lively coming up on Friday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.